Good morning, Southwest, and Happy New Year, Happy New Semester, and welcome to the first encounter of the 2024 year and the first encounter of the spring semester. I am so pumped to see you guys. I'm so excited for what God has in store for us for this semester. A lot of great things coming down the pipe for encounter as well as your classes and for D groups. And we've been praying for you guys uh, for this semester for God to do a new thing. And so uh, we, to kick off the year, are going to worship together, and we'll invite you, um, I'll just say, as soon as uh, I say a prayer, and you want, if you want to come forward and worship with us this morning, invite you up to do that. Uh, and then we are going to hear from someone very near and dear to my own heart, uh, someone who I care about deeply and have known for over 20 years, and many, many, many of you know this person very well, and uh, we'll just leave that as a surprise for after our last song. You will see who our speaker is for today. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for uh, this community. I thank you so much for you and for your promises and your word to us, which are consistent. God, you are faithful. God, you are good. You are loving. I thank you that you love each and every one of these students. I pray you'd break through the walls and resistances and barriers that we have to your love uh, this semester. And you would show us um, how to receive that, how to dwell on it, how to seek, know, live, and proclaim the truth as a community together and encourage each other to do the same. God, we ask for the times that we have together this semester in this space on Wednesday mornings. Your spirit would anoint and bless it. You'd be present here and you would draw us to yourself. We need you desperately. And God, um, if we don't recognize that, I pray you'd show us our need in this space pray this morning you'd be glorified with and pleased uh, with the thoughts that we have in our heads and that you would ultimately be the focus of our attention and we'd open ourselves to encounter you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. Uh, have you ever had that uh, experience where maybe it was this Christmas and you have a present, it's, it's going to be a surprise and then you open it and you have this like, oh, this isn't what I hoped for. I hope you're not feeling that right now with Mr. Goldie's introduction, right? Like it's a real treat for you. We have this speaker, and then you see me go up, and you're like, really? Mr. Beckering? Come on. So, uh, no, I hope, I hope you're um, ready to hear and listen to what I have to share with you today. Because um, I think it's important. And it's certainly been on my heart as I, I, as I think about you guys. Um, and I want you to know it, it comes out of a place uh, of, of love for you guys and a, and a sincere desire to see each of you really know Jesus, um, to, to grow deeply in him, to be rooted in him, and to follow him the rest of your lives. Um, the more I, I work in this community and the more I interact with with graduates, um, the deeper and deeper my desire gets to see our students live a life, a faithful life in Jesus. Um, so let me pray and we'll, we'll jump in. Father, thank you for these students. God, I'm so grateful that um, you love them so very much, so much, God, that you, you died on the cross so that they could 
be forgiven of their sins, and they could enjoy fullness in you, Lord. You've offered it to them. Lord, I pray that you would help them to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Happy New Year. Anybody sick of hearing that already? It's like enough with the Happy New Year stuff. Uh, I hope 2004 is off to a good start. Raise your hand, 2004, 2024. You know what I meant, 2024. Can you believe I was actually alive in 2004? How many of you, how many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? Seriously, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you what it was. Did anybody make a New Year's resolution? Okay, not very many people. How many of you know somebody? Like how many know a, a friend, a parent, someone that, that you know, they told you, here's my resolution for this new year? Okay, few more hands up. When I was in, I, I, I thought about this actually just yesterday. Like did, did I ever do that when I was in high school? Like did that ever even cross my mind? I would have known what they are. But I, don't, I can't ever remember in high school or college, frankly, in my 20s or even 30s, where I really spent a lot of time saying, okay, what, what do I want to do differently in this, this new year? Now, I will say, I don't know if it's, a, if it, if it's just an age thing or what, but, but I have more recently kind of fallen into that practice of kind of when the when December's coming and, and Christmas is here and, and the New Year's approaching, spending at least some time thinking about, like, how am I doing in certain aspects of my life? Uh, here's, here's one resolution, and I'm not even sure I've done a good job of keeping it yet, but I went in and got a, um, a, a medical physical, kind of the normal thing you do, and, you know, when, when, you're, when you get older, you... you, you um, get blood work done to test like your cholesterol and all that. And my cholesterol was just a little bit high and not the good cholesterol, like the bad cholesterol. And my doctor's like, you know, how's your, you know, eating habits? I'm like, eh, I love lots of steak, like more, you know, more meat than I probably should eat. And he's like, well, you, you know, you should probably make some changes there in your diet. So I'm like, okay, I'm resolved, right? Like 2024, is when I start eating more good stuff, right? Like more healthy stuff. So that's, that's an example of, you know, taking a look at a certain area of life. And people do this, right? They look at their health. They look at, like, am I exercising? They look at relationships. And they, and they recognize, hey, something's not quite right. Something isn't the way it should be. And, and I'm going to make a, re- a resolution. I'm going to be resolved to, to make a change. I think that's actually healthy, right? And even if some of those um, New Year's resolutions don't fully stick, I think the process of taking a look at, at, at our lives in these different areas is, is actually a really important piece of our growth. Today, I want to encourage all of you to, to do some reflection. I hope it doesn't just stop when I release you from this encounter, to reflect on, it's gonna work. There it is. I don't know if I did that or if they did in the back. Where, where are you at with Christ? Where, you could say, is your heart condition in responding to, to Jesus 
and, and the gospel. And as we explore that a little bit, I want to I walk through a parable. I, I'm guessing many of you have read it before. Maybe you even spent time um, in one of your classes or at, at, at your church or in devotion studying it. But it's the parable of the good, a parable of the sower, now also known as the parable of the soils or of the good soil. Just raise your hand if you, if you feel like I, 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 I at least have a, a, some recognition of this parable. I think I kind of know what it's about. Okay? Here's the context. Jesus is in Galilee, kind of in the area where he grew up, and he's, he's teaching. His ministry has begun, and we're told that, that crowds are gathering, probably from, from faraway places, to, to hear what Jesus has to say. Now, certainly, as he tells this parable, in the crowd are some people that have already made up their mind about Christ, right? The Pharisees, there's, a, there's a, a discussion he has with the Pharisees before this parable is taught where it's clear the Pharisees don't like Jesus, they want to shut him up, they're even plotting of how do we get rid of this guy, how do we kill him? But most of the crowd wants to hear from Jesus, in fact, the crowd is, is so big that before he tells this parable, and there's actually a couple of parables he tells, he climbs into a boat. They're down by the Sea of Galilee. He climbs in the boat, and I don't know if he's like right on shore, if he's a little bit offshore. He's obviously close to the shore because the people can hear him, and I'm sure he didn't have a microphone like I have today. And he sits in the boat, and he starts teaching. Okay, so that's the context. And, you know, I was thinking about that even for you guys and I. It's like before we even get in the parable, the question is, do, do you even desire to hear from Jesus? You're here in chapel today, but I understand that maybe, maybe for many of you, you're here because like that's what you do at this time of day on Wednesdays, right? Like if, if we had said, hey, it's up to you, come to chapel or not, some of you may have not chosen to come. And, and that doesn't mean you've rejected Christ or you don't want to hear from, but, but if you think about the pattern of your life as a whole, right? Like not just chapel or, or, or Bible class since Christmas break or, or last Sunday's church, like, did I want to go? But, like, as a whole, if you're honest with yourself, like, do you even long to learn about Jesus and to hear about Jesus? I think that's a, that's a good place for you and I to start as we consider where are we at? Because the crowd that was there, most of them, they wanted to hear what he had to say. All right. Let's read the parable, at least the start of it. He's in the boat. He's talking to the crowd. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So, so that's what the crowd heard. And then there's some other parables that follow. And although these are people that are in a 
a farming society. They, they understood the process of, of planting seed and, and how seed grew and how seed grew better in certain places than other. They don't, they don't get the parable. In fact, even, even Jesus' disciples come up and say to him, like, why, why do you do this? Like, why do you teach the people this way? I, I, I kind of wonder if they would basically, in my words, just say, like, why are you talking in such a confusing manner? Like, just be more clear. The people want to know. And Jesus goes into an explanation about that, and it's super important, but we don't have time to get into what he had to say there. But after telling the, 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 his followers, the disciples, why he teaches in parables, he then explains it to them. Even the disciples, okay, those that were following Jesus, did, did not get it. And, and we're going to walk through the parable, and you're going to be able to see the actual words of Jesus, but I want to just set the context real quick, right? So, so the seed in the parable represents, you might say, the gospel, maybe even more accurately say, the, a message about the kingdom of God. So God's rule, sovereign rule over creation, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to, to die, to take away the sins of the world, right? That's, that's the seed, right? It's the proclamation of who God is and what he's doing in the world. The sower is God, right? God is sowing that message through, through Christ, through, through the scriptures, hopefully through people like you and me. And then, of course, the soils. That represents the response of people to the message, or you might say, the heart condition of those who hear the message. So be mindful, this is not about people who've never heard before. This is people who have heard the gospel, they've heard the proclamation of who God is and what Christ is doing, and the soils represent how people respond. And of course, for you and I to look at this and say like, where are we at? What's, what, what has been our response to, to the truth of God's word? Because I think it's pretty safe for us all to assume that every single person in this, this auditorium, many of us, for as long as we can be remember, we, we have heard about who Jesus is. We have been presented the gospel. The truth of God's kingdom has been revealed to us or shared with us. And so what, what soil are we? What soil are we? So let's, let's take a look at each soil and what Jesus has to say. So in Matthew 13, 18, 19, he's getting into his explanation. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. Now, if you look at the picture up there, and I don't, I don't frankly know how accurate this picture is, but you see a path that's on the edge of a field. And this, this would be common in, in, in the world Jesus grew up in. These fields um, were not separated by fences or, or, or roads and ditches but there would be paths that people could travel to get to their fields and destinations. And of course, as people walk on the dirt, right, it gets hardened. 
and, and farmers would be sowing their seeds, throwing it out liberally, and some of the seed would follow on that hard path, and they would never go and till that ground, right? They wouldn't turn up the path. They wouldn't cover those seeds with, with fresh soil, and so the seeds were exposed, right? And, and birds would come in and, and have an easy meal, and of course, then the seeds would never take root, right? And there would be no, there would be no crop, okay? And Jesus says, that's what it is like for those who hear the word and the devil steals it so that they will never be saved. And I've thought a lot about this. Like, what, what, what kind of people are like that? And, I, and I, would, I would guess that it includes people who, maybe like some of the Pharisees, are, are, are hard-hearted, and so they immediately reject it the, the, the gospel makes them angry and, and, and Satan steals it, right? Maybe it's just people that are, are super distracted and, and they, just, they just never really even take the time to consider Christ. Whatever it is, it's, it's people who, even though they hear the word, okay, it doesn't take root. And Guys, I'd, I'd love to be able to say, hey, good news, like we can just now move on in the story because that, that soil doesn't include any of us, right? It's Southwest Christian High School, right? We're all Christians. You gotta be a Christian to come here, okay? So we can just move on to the next soil because that doesn't deal with us. And the reality is I know that's unfortunately probably not the case. I mean, I, I went to a Christian school with people that did not know Jesus. And even though the word of God was presented to them, their hearts were hard to it. They never took root. And so I, I just want you to, to ask yourself the question, do you, do you truly understand the gospel, the good news about what Christ has done for, for all of us? And do you believe it? You know, I was thinking about how James, I think it's in the second chapter, he, he's talking about faith and belief. And he makes a statement, he says, basically like, so you believe that there is one God. Good. Even, even the demons believe in God. And I think James' point was there to say, it's, it's not enough, right? It's not enough to say, yeah, I, I believe in God, right? I grew up in a Christian home. I go to a Christian school. I, I'm on the faith end of things. I, I think there's a God, right? That is not good soil, right? And you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, repent of your sin, and, and follow him. And we'll talk more about that. But I just, I just want to just... Before we move on, just, just really encourage you now and in this week to just evaluate, like, where, where am I at? Is it possible that I'm actually this type of soil right now in my life? And that I, I, I need to have an encounter with Christ, even though I've grown up in the Christian church my whole life. The second soil, the rocky soil, 
He says in Matthew 13, 20, 21, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they, they last only for a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Be, when, when things get challenging because of Jesus, because of being a Christian, then, then they fall away and they don't produce fruit. You know, I personally thought about this one to say, how often has it been super hard in my life to be a believer? And, I can, and I, can, I can bring up some times probably mostly around the idea of like social interaction, like where I had to choose between doing what I know would honor God and what maybe the group of people around me wanted to do. And I can look at times where I, I made a choice to say, I'm doing what God has called me to do, to honor my, my, to, to Jesus. And I think there's been other times, well, I know there has been other times where I'm, I kind of I just went with the crowd. And... I, I would guess most of you could, could, could think about those times too. So it's not, it's not the point to say that your rocky soil, if, if at some point, right, like you, you didn't stand for Christ in a time where you knew you could. I mean, even, even Peter, right, denied Christ. And we know out of grace and mercy, Jesus reestablished him. But here's the question. When it comes to your faith, Maybe you've heard the gospel like, hey, I like how that sounds. I really want to follow this Jesus guy. This, this is something that I, I think should be a part of my life. But when, when you have to choose between following Christ or doing something that's far easier, what do you choose? When it gets hard to be a believer, what's your response? And, you know, seniors, I think about you guys. I mean, literally, you know, months from now, you guys will be in so many different places, in so many different contexts. And, and I would just say for many of you, even if you're going to a Christian school, for many of you, being a Christian will be a lot harder next year than it is in your life so far. Not for all of you, but for many of you, I think it will be. That's what we hear from our graduates. And so the question is, are you rooted in your faith? Have you... Have you have you grown beyond this initial maybe excitement about Christ to the point where when it is hard, you will not abandon your faith. You will not fall away. Earlier in, in, the, in the same gospel, I think go to the next slide here. This thing doesn't seem to be quite working. There we go. Um, Matthew 7, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And there's 50 other verses I could have shared with you today that all point to if you follow Jesus, it will be hard at times. Jesus tells his followers, count the cost. Count the cost of being my disciple. It will not always be convenient. It will often not be popular. 
It will require you to give things that your flesh will not want to give. Will you follow me then? You know, I found it interesting when I heard from someone who, whose church was involved in a ministry in Iran. And most of you know Iran is a place where it's not easy to be a Christian. And there were these um, Iranian women, which is where the gospel in many ways is, is, is flourishing in that country. And, and they had come over to the United States, which on one hand allowed them to have religious freedom that they couldn't even imagine. And the testimony of some of those women, those Christians, after coming here was to say, I'm losing my focus on my faith because it's, it's so kind of easy to be a Christian here. In Iran, I had to make some choices. Was I going to serve Christ or not? Even if it meant costing my life. And, and I think for us, sometimes we can become sleepy in our faith. We can become deceived in our faith because we haven't yet faced those trials because we believe. And, but they are going to come, and I just would encourage you, ask yourself, is my faith real that when those things come, I will stand with Jesus? Are you willing to follow Christ even when it costs you? Matthew 13, 22, the third soil. Seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This, for me, I'll be honest, is probably where my faith is tested the most. And I would be surprised if it wasn't true for a lot of you. Okay? The world is constantly trying to tell us that life is best when you are successful, when all of your dreams come true, if you have security, if you have stuff and pleasure, and we can get so focused on those things. It's like the rich young ruler, if you remember that story, he comes to Christ and he says, Jesus, like teacher, what does it take for me to enter into the kingdom of God? He, he genuinely wanted to know, and Jesus says, all you need to do, right? Like you, you know, well, there's more to the story, but he ends by saying, just one more thing is required of you. Go and go sell everything you have and follow me. And Jesus tells us that the young man, because he was wealthy, walked away. Right? It is a challenge for us to not have the things of this world grow up like, like weeds around us, choking out our faith. And so I ask you to consider, is your desire for wealth and security and pleasure and success and popularity and whatever, success on the, on the athletic field or, or recognition for your grades or just having someone say, you know, you're beautiful, you're cool, all these things that we long for at times, is that stronger than your desire for Christ? Because Jesus says, if that's the case, you will you will fall away and you will not produce fruit. You're not good soil. So let me wrap up by talking about the last soil. Jesus ends by saying, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands that this is the one who produces a crop 
multiplying by 160, 30 times. This is what Jesus has called us to, that we hear the word, the good news, we surrender our lives to Christ, we follow him, and that through his power we live a life that results in more people coming to know and love and follow Jesus. There are a really significant debate amongst theologians about the, two, the middle two soils. I'll end, end soon, give me a couple more minutes, sorry. People are in agreement, first soil, the path, aren't saved. Pretty clear here, the good soil, producing a fruit, people who are saved. Some theologians say that the rocky soil, the thorny soil, those people were saved, but they lost their salvation. Some say they're saved and still saved, but they become unfruitful. And some would say they never were saved. And I have lots of ideas about that, and it's really important, and theologians continue to this day to, to debate that. But what I will say is, what everyone agrees is, this is what Christ has called us to, good soil. And to be in a place where you're not ready to stand for Christ when things are hard, or to be in a place where the things of this world are more important than what you maybe confess to believe, is a place where you won't be producing fruit. And so, the last question I want to ask you is, does your life, does my life, compel others to consider Christ, to follow Jesus? And you guys know this can look in different ways. That might be you actually practicing evangelism, telling a non-believer friend who Jesus is. Or it could just be you through the Spirit, producing the fruits of love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, where people in this school say they're different. Jesus is doing something in them that I want. And either way, your life is compelling people to ask the question, who is this Jesus? I want to follow him too. That's what Jesus wants to do in you and me. That's how we can, can reflect that we're good soil. And so as we launch into this second semester, seniors, your last semester of high school, as you guys are, are so early on in your Christian path, I would just plead with you, be, be honest with yourself. What is your response to Jesus right now? What, what is the condition of your heart? What soil are you? And if it's not, if you're honest, say, I'm not sure I'm good soil, then, then go to God and ask him to help you to remove the thorns, the things of the world, help him to strengthen you in the face of what's hard, or even maybe some of you ask them to give you the ability to receive for the first time Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these students. Lord, I know that in in our Christian school, in our Christian circles, we hear about you so often, Jesus. But we know that many people have heard about you and, and don't know you. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts through your power to help us be good soil, that we would receive your word, we would, we would be rooted in you deeply, that we would follow you, that these students would would, would serve you, obey you, and that out of their lives you would produce fruit that would lead to so many other people, Lord, receiving your rich life, your fullness of life. 
God, I pray that you would help students in this, in this place encourage each other, that we would help each other cultivate our hearts to be better soil. We're so grateful, God, that you have come through Jesus to save us. And I pray, God, that, that each of us and then collectively as a whole, that we would be great witnesses for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Thank you.